everyone. Welcome to Sharing the Journey. We're here today with Lori. Lori is going to tell us her story about disability and adoption. And I don't know what all we'll get into, um, but uh, I, I don't know her. I heard her on another podcast and wrote the podcast host and said, I want her. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Um, Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your current life, and uh, then we'll back up. Okay. Um, well, my name is Lori Whitney. I live just south of Atlanta, Georgia, in Noonan, and I'm 54 and have an, a daughter that I adopted from China that has cerebral palsy and how old is she she is 20 okay okay so um tell us just a a little bit about uh your growing up years anything that you think was important from that time in your life that kind of shaped you and Yeah, I grew up in Maryland, just outside of D.C., and um, I'm the oldest of two girls. My sister's two years younger than I am. Um, Growing up, our family was in church the whole time, and we attended an Episcopal church most of the time. I was, I I say my background is very confused. I was baptized Presbyterian, confirmed Episcopalian, and now I'm Baptist. So. Wow. (laughs) That's almost as confusing as mine. we were, my parents were very involved in the church and we were there anytime the doors were open, but growing up, I totally missed the part about a relationship with Christ. And, um, I say, I missed it. I don't remember hearing that. I, um, didn't have a relationship with Christ growing up. I, when I hit 12, our priest came to my parents and said, okay, it's that time Lori needs to go through confirmation classes and be confirmed. So I did all of that, but it was, gave me some head knowledge, but it wasn't like I chose it. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I went away to college, I went to Warren Wilson college in North Carolina and really didn't, I wasn't in church during that time. And I even, I had a pretty bad experience with my home church, right. A little bit after I left for college and, um, just decided it wasn't for me. I didn't need to go. And so fast forward to 25 ish and, um, God just kept putting on my heart that 
I needed to go to church. And I'd been a few times on vacations and stuff like that when I'd go back to my family, um, but not regularly by any means. And when I went back then, I just felt this huge draw that I just had to be in a church and tried the Episcopal church where I lived then. Um, and just, it just didn't feel that need. So God kept working on me. And at that time I was not living a very good life. I was on my own. I was, I was teaching and, um, I'd been out of college for three years or so. And God just kept putting on my heart that I needed to go. And I ended up going to the closest church to where I lived. And that was a Baptist church. And I would go every few months and just, he would work on me <laughs> hard every time I went. and. Um, just drew me to himself through that whole period. And um, eventually I realized my need for that relationship with him. Um, what were you teaching? Um, I started out teaching third grade and then went back and got my master's. I was teaching third grade on the Cherokee boundary there in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Um, at an elementary school on the boundary and then went to Western Carolina to get my master's and had some difficult students. So I wanted classes on behavior problems and ended up getting my master's in special ed and behavior disorders. Oh, wow. And so I went on to teach, I taught special ed at that same school for another three years and then went to teach um, at a, a mental health educational placement. Um, so it was for kids that had pretty severe behavior disorders and couldn't function in the regular classroom, regular school. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for about five years. And then God put on my heart to teach as a mission and called me overseas. And I ended up in China. Wow. Sorry, for how long? For 10 years. Oh, wow. And what, so you were teaching there or? Yes, um, I taught fourth grade and I was also an elementary principal. Oh, wow. At an international Christian school. Okay. And um, then, and I was working the schools that I was with there in China were part of International Schools Consortium and Leadership Development International. And um, 
So when I left there, I came back to the States to work on the sending side of that company. Oh. And I did that for nine years. So, so how did you meet your daughter? When I was serving in China, um, the first two years, we, my roommate and I and some other teachers went and volunteered at the municipal orphanage in the city where, where we lived. And um, the, the room they gave us the opportunity to work in was mostly children that had some kind of disability. Hmm. Um, and it was, there were little babies up to toddlers in these couple of rooms that they would let us work in. And we would go and we'd bathe the babies and change them and play with them, feed, feed them, things like that. And um, after we'd been going, about a year, my roommate and I decided we were going to start taking foster kids um, just for long weekends, holidays, things like that, just to give them some opportunities to be strengthened mostly. Um, and we, we had a list of kids let me back up a little bit. When re, right before then in the orphanage, there were some changes in the way they did things. And there were uh, quite a few babies that had, that couldn't eat solid foods and then were told they had to eat solid foods and several of them passed from oh, wow. malnourishment. And so we were hoping to strengthen some, some babies and maybe give them a little more opportunity to survive. So we had our list of kids that we wanted to bring home and um, we wanted a small baby to, to start with. And the orphanage, told us no on about half of our list because the baby was sick or the baby was going to be adopted and they didn't want to take any chances or whatever. And they got down to where my daughter's name was on the list and said, oh, you can take this one because you can't hurt her. <laughs> you can't do any harm there. Um, another friend of ours was taking a little boy out at the same time. And the hope for him was that some, a foreigner would see him and adopt him. But for my daughter, it was, uh, you just can't do anything to harm her and maybe the stimulation will help. So we took her out that Thanksgiving 
and she was very unresponsive. She didn't really look at people, didn't really interact with people, couldn't roll over, couldn't lift her head. How old was she? She was 11 months at that oh, point. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, so took her, that time took her for two weeks at Christmas and a few other weekends, long weekends, and um, really had no intention of adopting, just wanted to give her the opportunity to survive. And we did choose to keep doing the same baby. We were gonna do different ones, but we decided she needed the stimulation. Um, and that following April, on a weekend that I didn't have her, I was in the international fellowship there and we were standing and worshiping and this huge powerful voice sat me down and said, adopt Zhongxue. That was her Chinese name. And I looked around to see who was speaking or if anybody else heard it. And no one did. Um, it terrified me. I was single. I was working. I was in ministry. I didn't know how to take care of someone with that significant of needs full time. Um, it seemed impossible. And I decided I must be losing my mind and that couldn't have been God because he wouldn't tell me to do something like that. Um, I didn't tell anybody. So I went home and, and I prayed and I said, all right, God, I don't, I don't think that was you, but if it was, then why don't you speak to me like you always do, you know, using people or whatever, the ways that he had gotten me to go to China. And um, <laughs> I was crazy because <laughs> you don't talk back to God like that. <laughs> and that week in our devotions at school, the kindergarten teacher was assigned the devotional time and um, she presented what, what she said had really nothing to do with any of this, but she pre presented the story from first Kings chapter 13. And it's a man of God, a prophet from Judah goes to tell the King in Israel um, a message and the king says, oh, let me give you things and come and eat and drink. And he's like, no, nah, God told me not to eat or drink and to go a different way to go home. And so he left and went a little ways and another prophet came and said, oh, God told me that you're supposed to come to my house or an angel told me that you're supposed to come to my house and eat and drink and then go home. 
And so the first prof prophet did. And when he left, God said, you disobeyed me and, and a lion killed him. And oh, wow. <laughs> it, yeah. And it just struck me that I was asking for that false prophet to come. I was asking for somebody to tell me something different than what I had heard God say. And so with that much conviction, I said, okay, God, um, I'll, I'll, I know what you said and I'll do it. And so it took three years before, wow. before the adoption was possible. Why was that? She, in most of China at that time, babies with disabilities were considered more adoptable by foreigners, but the city we were in was kind of backwards and they considered them less adoptable. They didn't want the world to know that Chinese people had things wrong with them. Um, and so they would let me foster her full time, but they wouldn't do the adoption paperwork. And um, so that summer I went on home leave for a couple of weeks and my roommate took care of, or a friend of mine took Sarah out of the orphanage because of a hepatitis outbreak. And um, so when I got back, I took her to live with me. And when I approached the orphanage about adopting her, they said, well, when she can talk and, and walk and is fully potty trained, then we'll talk about it. Did and that, did that set you back? You know, you thought you'd heard from God and he'd said this and now it just wasn't happening. Did that, it, what? it should have, it should have, actually, it should have made me celebrate that it wasn't going <laughs> to <laughs> but it really didn't. Uh, the secretary that went with me to translate for that meeting, um, afterwards, she said, so are you disappointed? And I said, I said, no, because they can say this, but, but God said, hmm. uh, and so I had that confidence. And so I'm really, really grateful that, that I heard his voice because the whole time I had that to hold on to hmm. and the confidence that it wasn't just me that wanted to do this. Um, and it was, it was hard for the next two years. It just, we just kind of went about life and the orphanage just kept that carrot out there that, you know, oh, well, when she can do these things, when she gets a little better, then she will be adoptable. And 
right before I was due to go on my next two year furlough, I approached the director of the orphanage and my school was sending a gift of a washer and dryer to the orphanage because we did a lot with them to support them. And I wanted the gift to have my face attached. <laughs> and I approached the director and, and asked if I could take Sarah home for that summer to the States. And she said, oh no, there was someone in America that just took a baby that needed heart surgery and they wouldn't give them back. So no, nobody's allowed to do that anymore. And um, so you can't take her unless she's adopted. And I said, okay, well then <laughs> how do we make her adopted? And she looked me straight in the eye and she said, she will never be adoptable by you. Um, that will not happen. And I left there and it was a different secretary and she said, are you, are you really upset about this? And I said, I said, no, I'm actually not. I'm a little bit sad, but this lady is not in control of it. I don't know how, but it'll happen. And I felt strongly convicted that I needed to stop trying to make it happen on my own in my own power. And um, so I prayed and I told God, I got the message, I was backing off, I wouldn't do anything else. And about two or three weeks later, the, the orphanage director reached out to me and said, or reached out to my secretary and said she wanted to take us to dinner and she took us to dinner and there was a man there from Beijing that was her liaison to the Adoption Affairs Bureau. And he said, is your adoption paperwork done? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, well, why not? Because the director has arranged it all. Oh, wow. So the same person that told me never yeah. had arranged to do the adoption. And it was only God. I mean, there's nothing else to attribute it to. He changed her heart. And it was still another year, but it was miraculous and amazing. And of course, there were many times that I doubted and freaked out in that next year, but <laughs> <laughs> he was always in control and he proved it. So she was about what, four or five when she? She was 2000. She was four and a half when the adoption was finalized. But she'd been with you for? Since 18 months. Since 18 months. So, hmm. wow. And um, then we continued to live in China until she was nine and a half. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So what kind of like schooling was available or whatever for her in China? What, what kind of services were? We were, we were very lucky in that when she was about three, we discovered a, a rehab hospital, <coughs> excuse me, a rehab hospital in the city we were in that did physical and occupational therapy with kids. Hmm. Um, so she was able to get that and she did it five days a week for about two hours. I had a, a like a nanny that would take her hmm. while I was working. And then when she was four, yeah, when she was four, she was able to go to our international school and do pre-kindergarten. Um, and she needed a lot of modifications. She's um, fairly significantly delayed. And, um, but the school, the classes were small enough and the nanny went with her to class. So she was like her one-on-one aide. Mm -hmm. um, so she was able to, to do a lot. And so it was a really good experience. It made, she was bilingual at that time, um, mostly because the, the nanny could, only speak Chinese hmm. and so she would speak Chinese with her and I would speak English with her and then she was in the school in all in English hmm. that must have been interesting <laughs> Just... yeah yeah it was I mean, she would have gotten more probably academically here because it there would have been more um, specialized training of the teachers, things like that. Mm -hmm. But for that time, it was it was great. It was really good for her and. Um, because it was a Christian school, she grew in in her faith a lot mm -hmm. too. She was she had her struggles, but she was always the first one in her pre K to memorize the Bible verses, <laughs> so, <laughs> which was really amazing. So she stayed at that school until you left, I assume, or. Um, I actually changed schools. We were starting a new one in another part of China. Hmm. So she was in that school for two years. Yeah, two years. And then we moved to another city and she was actually, I gave her another year of junior kindergarten. So she's a year behind where she mm -hmm. should be. Um, 
but then, yeah, she was in the international school in our new city until she finished second grade there. And so when you came back to America, did you continue the Christian school route or? No, um, to be honest, we couldn't afford it. Oh. Uh, I, because I wasn't teaching, I was working for the, the ministry, preparing teachers to go. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, <laughs> missions just doesn't pay that well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, and I would have been surprised if you had found a Christian school that would have taken because I don't right. know, here, here in America, there just aren't that many schools that are willing to Christian schools that have the okay cat you don't need to purr into the microphone get off the computer Thank right you. that are have the capacity to take especially yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yes and and that was a another consideration I don't know even if we had been able to afford it I don't know that we would have done that mm -hmm. um because she did, she's been able to get speech, occupational, physical therapies, all at school, and then the special ed classroom services as well. Mm -hmm. So is she still in school now? She is. She she actually graduated last year, but COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the intent was for her to go this school year to a we have a almost like a tech school program for special needs that um, is administered by georgia vocational rehabilitation and so they're able to get dorm experiences and job training things like that for about a nine-month program usually Oh, wow. And so that was our goal. But when everything shut down last March, she, her anxiety went through the roof like everybody else's. Yeah. And a lot of it, I figured out pretty quickly was because of the uncertainty. And so we decided pretty close to the beginning of the pandemic that she needed at least one more year at school. Mm -hmm. So she's back in face-to-face -face school this year and has been pretty much the whole year. They've allowed special needs to go face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And it, so it's been good. It gives her a little bit of closure and she's currently doing a goodwill training program um, through the school as well for right now, like job training. Mm -hmm. And what are, what would she like to do? Um... She, she has always said she wants to be a doctor. We've had to come to the realization that that's probably not going to be possible mm -hmm. um, but that there are other things she could do so her 
her top pick would be to work in a doctor's office or a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe somebody who helps people check in or something along those lines. And her other thing that she would love to do is be a pastor or a, a preacher, I would say. Hmm. Two jobs I would never want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me either. <laughs> so you run or are involved in a program now, uh, right? For Right. With, yeah, can you tell me about that? I remember hearing about it on the other podcast that I stole you from. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I appreciate this podcast because that one was on video and I don't like being on video. <laughs> but just a shout out, shout out to him. It was Crispy King and he does amazing videos of people with special needs to raise awareness and to raise comfort level. Um, but my group is called Hoping Forward and it just started last, uh, the end of last August. And I work with a group of adults with disabilities and we do some independent living, some job skills, but primarily we do service. So we go and we get food from Salvation Army and go around and fill the little freestanding food pantries around our town. And hush. And we <laughs> and we help out other people. Um, we we meet at my church, Sunrise Baptist, and um, so we will go and we'll pick up trash around church property and. We work at another church, um, helping with their food pantry and with odds and ends that they want done. And we're basically, we're just open to helping whoever. Uh, My guys even, I drive for Meals on Wheels on one of the days that I don't have my program. And one of my gentlemen was telling me how much of a struggle it was to move his trash can from his house down to the road to get picked up. So now my guys go and move his trash can for him. And uh, so we just want to serve because it gives so much purpose and value to their lives. And um, shows how valuable they are to our community and so, I think that they, they, they can do something to serve is right you know I mean yeah. a lot of times I feel like I'm just taking and taking and taking from the system right. and you know <laughs> well and that's one thing I had felt um yeah they are given so much and they're helped so much and so this gives them a chance to, to turn that around. Yeah, yeah. 
That's very cool. Yeah, and it it really was a total God thing because I I had left my job in summer of 2019 because I felt God was leading me to, to do that. Thought I was going to be starting a coffee shop or something similar to employ adults with disabilities. Mm. And then 2020 hit and all of a sudden I wasn't starting something like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so grateful because I begged and pleaded with God to hurry up and get that started for from August to March. Um, Come on, God, hurry up. I don't want to sit here and and not do anything. And, um, but he gave me Exodus 14, 14, God will fight this battle for you. You need only be still. And I was not supposed to try and do things in my own power again. Um, so I waited and then um, a friend at church that I hadn't really talked to that much, she was asking me about day programs that her sister, for whom she's a caregiver, could possibly go to because she had lost her state funding and then lost her placement. And um, so we're having this conversation and I'm thinking, hmm, why can't I do that? why can't I help? And so I told her I was thinking about it and that if I could find some place to do it that wouldn't charge me a lot of rent, I'd be happy to do it. Approached my pastor and the church said, sure, you can do it here. Um, So we meet there. Right now I have four and they happen to all have Down syndrome, but I'm open to any disability. Um, And yeah, it's just been amazing to see how God's worked through so much of this. Yeah, I can imagine, wow. Who has inspired you in your faith journey lately? Anything you can recommend um, for us to yeah. read or study or? Yeah. Um, well, Hoping Forward actually originated from Hope Heals Ministry. They have, it's Jay and Catherine Wolf have Hope Heals. Catherine had a severe stroke at the age of 26. And she has a book, doesn't she? I think yeah. that's, yeah, that's Hope on my Suffer Strong. I highly recommend both of them. That's one of the books on my I'm going to read this someday list. <laughs> oh, make it soon because it's, it's amazing. Um, and I read the book Hope Heals and then found out about the camp. And it's for families affected by disability. It's I think she might have modeled it after Joni and 
Johnny and Friends. My camp. favorite camp. Because <laughs> yeah. um, it sounds kind of similar. They, the um, helpers there are compassionate companions. That's a cool name. Yeah. And they are with an adult or a child with disability. And then also with the children that are there with the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have Bible study. They have small groups, large group conversations. Um, they have spa day for the ladies and um, the men usually go out to eat. It takes place at um, a camp in Novu, Alabama. Oh. And, um, it's just amazing. But during my quiet time at the first camp we went to, or well, the first camp period, um, I felt like God was giving me the vision for hoping forward for the coffee shop slash social cafe um, or social club. And, but their ministry is just so powerful. And those camps, I think that was when the pandemic hit me the hardest last year was when Hope Hills camp got canceled Mm. and they did it virtually, but it's not the same. Um, but it's just a super powerful ministry and both their books, Hope Heals and Suffer Strong are, are incredibly powerful. Suffer Strong came out right before the pandemic hit. Um, So very appropriate, except for, we probably don't want to listen to suffering, (laughs) but they're all about living the heart, the good hard life and seeing the good in it and being grateful. Um, So they're my main ones, but then also during my time of being still, I read the book, The God Dare by Kate Battistelli. Um, She's Francesca Battistelli. I was just gonna ask any relation. (laughs) Yep. And she just talks about really looking for what God's calling you to, and then being willing to step out, even if it's seems crazy. And uh, it was very fitting for where I was at that time, but it's a really good and, and not a particularly long book. Mm-hmm. And then also another one, I good one I read was the circle maker by Mark Batterson. Um, that one was really good about praying through all circumstances and, and looking, waiting for God to, to answer those prayers. Um, and then, oh, Matthew West podcast. Have you heard, have you listened to his? No. His is really good. Um, it started during quarantine and it started out as quarantine quiet time that he did on Facebook live and Insta live. But those that the quarantine quiet time and the podcast have, have 
ministered to my heart during this whole pandemic. Hmm. I'll have to check that out because I like him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so great. And his dad is a preacher. And so he does advice pieces and pastorish pieces. How does God's um, presence in your life make a difference in your daily life these days and back then and all that? Um, it makes all the difference. He's, he's proven himself so faithful to me at so many points in my life. Um, I don't know how somebody makes it through hard things without him. Um, I just know the last, the year where I was not working, I'm a single parent, so there's nobody else that's providing. And we made it through without, without it hurting us. Um, Stop, Scooter. There was... There were times when he provided just in miraculous ways, unexpected ways. We were drawing from some of my retirement savings. Hmm. And even with the pandemic, the account that we were drawing from is above where it was when we started pulling money out. And that was what we were living off of. Um, yeah and it doesn't make sense but god is so good and when he calls you to something he will be faithful and walk with you through it won't always be easy but yeah he'll he'll provide everything you need amen to that <laughs> <laughs> I said amen to that. (laughs) Okay, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this thing up? I, I guess the only thing I would, I would encourage anybody that is feeling like they're going through something hard, um, whether it be with kids or with job or whatever, to find something to be grateful for and a way to serve other people because it'll make all the difference. Okay. (laughs) That works for me. (laughs) I'm going to stop this recording, maybe. One other thing is if anybody wants to check out what we're doing at Hoping Forward, the Facebook page is Hoping Forward Noonan GA, I think. Okay. Um, Yeah, they can look us up on, on Facebook and I'm on there too as... Lori Whitney. Okay. 
It sounds really cool. I wish we had something like that here. <laughs> Not that it's I would. Been, yeah, it's it's been great. I've loved it. Best job ever. My guys love it. Have so much fun. Quit. Okay. Just taking forever. Get out of here. 